0: So obviously my kids' water bottle messed all over my Bible and my notes and my everything. Season of life. So let's hope I can find all the little bits I need. Good morning, guys. It really is, I say this every time, but it is always such an honor and a privilege to be able to come share with you. Um, I don't take it lightly. And yeah, so thank you for being here with me today. The last three weeks we are doing a series on mothering because of Mother's Day last week. So I was asked to just end off the series today, which is an interesting one because I am a mom. I've been a mom for five years, but I think where my heart was going was mothering for me feels like there's only a certain target market (laughs) and it's not all of you. Um, And so I was really asking the Lord, what is it about mothering that I can speak on that actually applies to all of us? Because I think obviously not all of us are moms. um, More of us are parents. We've got dads here too. But even that, I just felt like there's more um, that I could be sharing. So I think I'm just going to go and we'll see where we land. Let's just do that. So Last week, Maria was speaking a lot about Mary, and I think she was really coming up for me, too. I've been thinking on her a lot lately. I've been watching The Chosen, which I know a lot of you also have been <laughs> digging into. And it's just been an interesting perspective for me to watch the mother of Jesus as we watch Jesus' journey and where she lands in the different seasons. So I just wanted to speak about that for one minute, um, and then we'll move on from there. But what's been striking me about Mary is this coming alongside on Jesus' journey and where Jesus is going, encouraging, supporting, even when she doesn't fully understand or like what's happening. Because I can imagine as a mother, it's not always easy to see the things that Jesus had to go through when it's your child. Um, Obviously, we don't always want those things um, to happen. So she had to also allow her son to go off and do these things that might have seemed scary or dangerous. But she had to trust that it was a, a plan from God for him just like the angel had declared to her from the beginning. So she had this promise to hold on to, even from his conception of what he was called to. And she had to sort of hold on to that um, as a mom and and then watch what unfolded. Um, And I think she really did. I think she's a picture of that, of holding on to a promise of the Lord and then watching it fulfilled. Even in some instances, I feel like she was calling it out in... In him, for instance, at the wedding where they run out of wine, she's the one who goes to him. She's like, come on, it's time. Let's, you know, let's get this thing got. Because she knew his identity. She knew what he was capable of because the Lord had put that into her heart as well for him. Um, So the one scripture I just wanted to look at briefly as we start is from Luke 2. And I am not a good girl, so I did not give them any of my scriptures. I'm very bad at remembering all the rules and regulations. Um, But we can just, I'm just going to briefly look at it for you guys. Um, So in Luke 2, we see it's after Jesus is born. And then what happens is the shepherds and the angels come, you know the story, the shepherds and the angels come to meet the Christ, okay? And so we have the scene where they come and they declare all these things about him being the Messiah and they, you know, they prophesy these things that this is coming to pass And Mary's there. She's just had a baby, which, as we all know, is quite a day in your life. Um, And they, they, you know, they're confirming this word. And and so what happens is what I wanted to look at is verse 19. Um, So the shepherds, sorry, they went off then and they went to tell everyone. They went off and and verse 18 says, or verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. And then verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Okay, so I just want to look at that for a second. And the second time we see this same phrase is later on in Luke 2. We go to verse 51. And this is now after the story of when Mary and Joseph lose Jesus. You know, they've all gone off together and then they leave and they can't find him. He's a child. I think he was like 10 or 12 or something. I forget. Um, and they go off to find him, and then they find him at the temple, and, and he says that line about, but didn't you know I would be at my father's house? And they have this whole exchange um, around that. They find him. After three days, they find him there. Um, and yeah, so verse 49, Jesus says to them, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Um And then it carries on. He comes back home with them. He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. So once again, Mary is taking these things, these encounters, these moments, these words, and she's treasuring them in her heart. Why is she doing that? Because Mary, as the mother of Jesus, she kept his person in her body, She grew him and birthed him and cared for him, but she kept his purpose in her heart. And so these were these encounters where she got a glimpse into something a little bit different, something of his identity, something of what was on his life. And so what she did, she treasured it in her heart. She knew this is part of that bigger picture for my son and for my faith. Obviously, she was looking at him from more than one perspective because she also believed in this God. How awesome is this rain? Okay? Jeepers. Um, Yeah. And she had to wait for that story to unfold. It didn't all come. These stories were, I mean, those two stories, the first is when he was born, the next is when he's 10 years old. She's treasuring these things in her heart. He still hadn't even started his ministry. So she had to hold these things for a very long time and trust the process of what she was seeing. And she only saw... The fullness of it in the crucifixion, in the resurrection, in the ascension, that's 30, what, 35 years later. So she had to wait and watch for her son as, as he worked his stuff out and as he followed it. Um, but here's what I see when I see this passage. I see how us, for us too, we keep these things, we keep these encounters, these moments these encouragements, these good memories, these lessons as seeds in our hearts for the seasons that come next. And we trust that they are part of that, even though we don't necessarily always understand the full story. We don't know when it's coming or what it is that's even coming. But we have these moments with the Lord. We have these encounters and we, and we choose to treasure them in our hearts not only as mothers, just as people, just as believers. We have this where we hold on to that. And then we wait and we see what's going to come of it. Um, the thing that kept coming to me, and maybe it's because I'm still in a season of small kids, but I don't know about you guys, but as friends, we often will sit around all evening and actually just tell each other funny things our kids did. Is that, am I the only one? <laughs> I find kids very funny. Um, and I was thinking about that because we really can, obviously we all have a million stories and you always want to tell everyone all the cute things your kid did or the funny things they did or, you know, this is the season of our lives. But I was thinking about what we're doing there is we're actually also keeping those seeds, you know, we're keeping the seeds of the good times, of the funny times for the hard times. My daughter is two, <laughs> she's very two, um, and she has an older brother, so she's also learning some things that maybe she shouldn't. And her favorite thing at the moment to say to me is, you're not my friend, I put you in jail. And she goes like this, jail, like puts her hand over my face, which is really fun when you know, you're know you just looking after them, raising them, doing all the great things for them, and then you get put in jail for it. Um, <clears throat> And in those moments, I have to choose whether I'm going to get riled up by it or whether I'm rather going to quickly remember those other really cute times. (laughs) Like in the morning, if she sleeps next to me, which she sometimes ends up doing, her favorite thing to do when she wakes up is to just quickly come straight over to me and give me a kiss on my cheek. Which, I mean, guys, that's like heart melting. What the flip? She's two years old. She comes and gives me a little kiss on my cheek. Like, oh, I can't believe you're next to me. So... I'm sharing you the stories of my kids. But for me, it's that thing of choosing to hold on to those memories and not always let the hard stuff be the only thing. Because I could focus on you're not my friend, but what's it going to do? I don't need to be a friend. But our encounters with Jesus, if we go back to that, they give us the stamina for the journey ahead. Right? So, these moments, these seeds of keeping these things in our hearts, that's what gives us the stamina to keep going. So, the more encounters we have, the more time we spend with the Lord, the more time we hear from Him, the more stamina we have for what comes next. And I think that's what Mary was doing. She knew it was going to be a bit of a hard road, it already started out in a tricky way with this this miraculous conception. So, she knew I need to treasure these things in my heart of what's, for what is to come. Um, So, there's a verse um, in Psalm 46, verses 5 to 6, it says, God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. So, when I read that verse, I was thinking about the craziness of raising children And even when life is going mad and they're losing their minds, God is in her, she will not fall. (laughs) That's literally what I saw when I read this verse, of that thing of like, I'm okay, this will pass, this moment will pass, because God is within me. Um, I read a quote the other day that said, sometimes God calms the storm and sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms you. Hey? Right now, maybe. Maybe. Um, and the funnier version of that for those of you that have social media there's some funny videos of moms um, with their kids when their kids are losing their minds and the moms are standing there going holy spirit activate holy spirit activate (laughs) because they're trying really hard to not lash out (laughs) I sing that a lot Um, (laughs) it's a better option though right right I'm doing the right thing And obviously also then they don't know what's going on and you kind of disarm them. They're like, what is happening here? Why is mom losing her mind? If they're allowed to lose their minds, I'm allowed to lose mine too. That's what I've decided. So that's just my first little point for you guys is these seeds of what we hold on to. Um, Yeah. I wanted to share with you guys today just a few things that I have learned in mothering that I think have actually taught me a lot about my relationship with Jesus too. So that's what I thought I'd do um, with you guys today. Is that okay? Can we do that together? So the first one is simplicity. So my kids actually don't need a lot, I've realized. In fact, one of their favorite things to do is to have a picnic in the garden. It's the same food I was going to give them at the table. It's outside on a blanket. And just the simplicity of doing that thing. It's now, you know, the greatest adventure of our lives. I can't believe we're eating outside. This is so fun. It's the same stuff. But it's the simplicity of those moments together, right? Um, And it takes away the stress and the extra pressure. Because I could have just made them sit at the table and let's eat our food together. But instead, we're doing something different. And in that, they are having this magical encounter with me. Um, And it's about... Focusing on what's really important, and that's time together. Um, recently, I was remembering Tace's song. Taze. I don't know if Tace is here today. Um, Tace Meads wrote this song many years ago called Bring Me Back. I don't know if you guys remember it. Anybody? Anyone old enough? Oh, there we go. We've got a few hands. So I'll give you the words of the song, but it's really been on my mind with this. It says, where I belong is at your feet, praising you and touching you. Lord, I need only you. Bring me back to the place where I love the cross. Bring me back to the place where I'm on my knees. Bring me back to an undivided heart. Jesus, bring me back to you. So um, what I was thinking about with that is it's this thing of complicated procedures to get to Jesus. And some churches have more of those than others. I know we aren't too into the stand up, sit down, all the different things you have to do to get to the Lord, but actually it's very simple, it's very simple, Jesus wants to meet with us anywhere, anytime, anyhow, it's not complicated, we don't have to have our ducks in a row first, we don't have to have ticked ticked all the boxes, it's that simple, authentic connection with him, that's actually just what he's after, um, In the same way that a date night doesn't have to be expensive and fancy for it to be a good time together of connection. It's the same with the Father. He's not looking for this magical thing where you first read 12 scriptures and obviously these are all good things. But what he's looking for is just the simplicity of going, hey God, I'm here, what's up in this little five minutes I've got right now. I know you'd like more, but five minutes is better than nothing. As we know, in marriages even, five minutes together is still better than no minutes together, right? And so it's just this thing of coming simply to the Father, coming back to the place of an undivided heart. That's the first point. The second one is connection. One of the things I realized soon after becoming a mother is that I definitely could not do this in isolation. It's hard work. And I needed connection with others who could support me and advise me and just be with me on this journey. So we, t- we talk about that, that mothers need that encouragement in um, the village. Maria, last week I know she was telling you all about going to mothers and saying you are doing a good job. Did you hear that last week? Yes? No one has said it to me today yet, eh? Hey? I'm just saying. You saw me parenting. No one has told me what a good job I'm doing. You need to do that. (laughs) No, but it's this thing of being the village for each other. Um, But this is actually what I'm talking about. This is the thing. Comparison is the thief of joy. But connection beats isolation and loneliness. And this is the trick. As mothers and as people, we are quick to go to comparison very quick. We go to this thing of how they're doing it versus how I'm doing it, whether that's in the parenting space or whether that's in life in general. We are so quick to compare ourselves and it doesn't help anyone because all it does is it breeds more anxiety, loneliness, stress, low self-esteem, depression, all these things because we're just comparing ourselves to each other. Connection beats that because as soon as we actually connect with each other we see what I thought they were doing isn't even what they're really doing but we see they're also just people like me oh you're also not sleeping but why do you always look so good you know what I'm saying we have this thing where we have these ideas of how other people's lives are going and then if we actually bother to have a meal with them or a a coffee or a conversation we actually connect we see oh you're a human too, cool, that's way better, it's going to be so much easier for me to relate to you now, and so it's this thing that we have to work on the whole time, and I mean, I say it from a mothering perspective, because it's true, we've got to stop comparing our kids to the kid next door, but even just in life as a church, it's this thing of needing to focus on connection, meeting people where they're at, And in that way, we are so closer to what Jesus was doing and is doing. He met people where they were at. He didn't say, but why aren't you doing this, this, and this? He said, oh, cool, this is where you are. Let's chat. And in that, lives are transformed. Because from connection, you can actually work on your stuff. You can maybe improve if there are areas that you need to. But it's from connection, not because you were compared to someone else and now it's like this expectation, well I better fix this, this and this. That doesn't doesn't encourage us to do anything. We all go home with the same anxiety and the same loneliness, people are very lonely. Even people who socialize are lonely because socializing doesn't always mean connection. And so you might have a full calendar but you actually feel very lonely. And it's because we aren't focusing on this, on this connection, right? And it's a kingdom value. It's a kingdom value for us as a church. You know, we try really hard to do a lot of community events, Visions and Values, Easter Camp, these things. But, and we're always harping on about them, but it's because there's actually truth to it. This is the biblical way of living, and it breeds such a good culture if we get it right? if we actually have a space where we can connect in, there's something in that, that is really the heart of God. So I think I always end up coming there guys, it doesn't matter what I preach on, I come back to this thing. Because it's a value we need to look at. And I think it's what Jesus was on about in his ministry, I really do. He was connecting with people where they were at, and then their lives were transformed. They didn't change first. So as much as we need to go tell the moms they're doing a good job, we actually need to tell everyone that they're doing a good job. <laughs> Life is hard. And we all sometimes need that of like, oh, yeah, I can see you had a hard week. I'm so sorry. Can I help you in any way? How can I make it better? Or even just saying you're doing a good job. I can see you trying really hard. Not always, we, we might not always be able to help. But even just, just acknowledging, I think there's such a power in that. Okay, next point before I get sucked in. Regulation, <laughs> it's a funny one, but here's the thing. In parenting, in the gentle parenting circles, um, if that's even the thing, um, there's a phrase called the 10 minute miracle which basically implies when your child is not coping, when they are dysregulated, which means they are acting cray cray and you don't know what to do with them and you can't quite figure it out and nothing makes sense but the world is upside down. Anybody relate? Just me, cool. Um, (laughs) So it's this idea that when they're doing that, the best thing you can do is give them 10 minutes of undivided attention. So especially when there are other siblings and other things going on, maybe you're working from home, maybe you've got, you know, you've got your own life, you've got things you're trying to sort out, it's to say to them, these 10 minutes is just you and me, I've put your sister in the other room, I've put my phone over there, what do you want to do, whatever you want to do, you've got 10 minutes of mom, right, so that's this 10 minute miracle, And the idea is that they know they've got you. They can build a puzzle. They can do whatever they want in that time. But it's that reconnecting that helps them regulate. So even if you can't give them the whole day, because you can't, you give them that time. And what it does is it resets, right? It resets even just their nervous system because they feel grounded. They feel attached. They are able to regulate their own emotions. And it's just helping them cope. Because life is hard even when you're a kid, and they got a lot they're going through. So, this is the idea it's the 10 minute miracle. That's what all the Insta mommies tell us to do. And it does work, I promise, it does work. But the idea is this that I wanted to come to you with is we actually can have the same tool by going to Jesus. So, when we're in the craziness, when everything else is going on, even if we only have 10 minutes. It's going, okay, I need 10 minutes with you. I need to regulate, (laughs) right? Sometimes I need to regulate. I can feel it. I'm like, what is happening? There are so many feelings, so many things. There's stress, there's anxiety, there's life. I need to regulate. And so it's in that saying, okay, God, I've got a 10-minute miracle. (laughs) Let's do this. My phone is over there. Everything else is away. Reconnecting with the Father, and what that does is it brings it all back into focus. It reminds us of these things, of how Jesus is there with us, how he calms the storm, how he is able to give us peace, how we can trust in him. From that reconnecting, that 10-minute miracle, we actually are able to refocus. I know life is hectic, but I'm actually going to be okay. I can take a breath, right? Does that, does that resonate with you guys? So it's just this thing of taking a few minutes, for me, sometimes it's just when I'm driving in the car, putting on some worship music and just taking that time with God. Or when you're washing the dishes or whatever it is, if you can't physically go and do it. But it's that God, I'm here. Won't you talk to me right now? Won't you just come and meet with me? I need a refresh. I need to regulate. Um, that's one of my little parenting Tips with you because Jesus did this. I don't know if you remember, but if we look in the scriptures in Matthew 14, verses 22 and 23, um, it's obviously He's in the middle of His ministry at that point. We're doing all sorts of things all over the place. And then what we see is Jesus sends them away. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowd. After He had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. He also needed time alone with God. He needed to check, where are we? What are we doing? Are we on the right track? What do you need me to do next? Right? Because he was also on a mission, just like we are. And he needed those moments to regulate. Later on in Matthew, verse 20, Matthew 26, verse 38. This is right at the end. Um, he's in the garden. And he literally says to some of the disciples that are with him, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And this was when he went to go and pray one last time to God because he knew what was coming in the morning. He knew the crucifixion was imminent. So even Jesus had moments of overwhelm where he had to go and take his 10-minute miracle with the Father to realign, recalibrate. Um... Yeah. Another one for you. Are you enjoying Jesus enough? Sometimes I think we focus on the hard stuff, the heavy stuff, and we forget that actually life with Jesus means all of life with Jesus. So it's the full range of emotions, the psychologists always tell us about the fact that you can't experience true joy if you don't allow the true pain, but you have to have both ends of that spectrum. We've got to be able to go through all the emotions, and that means we have to do that with God too. So as a parent, obviously, we have a lot of those moments with our kids laughing together, having fun, giggling with them. Um, And I think what I think about in those moments is how I need to be having those moments with God too of having a laugh with him about something, of actually just enjoying his company and enjoying what he's doing in my heart and in my life. I'll tell you a bit of a funny story. A little while ago, I had recently started a new workout regime, let's say, let's not pretend it was anything fancy that focused on legs, right? So I was doing a lot of leg work. And then that week we had a prayer evening that I went to and the whole time I was there, the Spirit was really ministering in my life. And I kept doing this thing where I would get knocked over in the Spirit. I'm sure I'm not the only person who's done that. You know, you're there. And after a while of this, I actually just started canning myself. I thought, God, you knew. You prepped me. I'm ready. My legs are strong. And it was this funny moment that I had with the Lord where I was like, you knew what you were going to do on Thursday night. That's what you got me to start on those legs. So I was ready. Why not laugh with him about that? What's wrong with that? It's funny. Maybe just for me. But it was, this <laughs> it was just this moment with God where I was like, this is kind of hilarious that you've prepped me for this encounter I was going to have with you a few days later. It, it's small, but it's just this picture of how our relationship with Jesus doesn't have to be all serious, all deep and meaningful and theologically sound and all these things. Sometimes he's actually just a mate that we have a life with. Because if we want relationship with him, it's all relationship, right? We, only, we don't just have the deep hard stuff. It's all of it. That's what we're being called to. The same with my kids. I have to also have time where we just have fun together. It can't only be feeding, sleeping, keeping alive, taking to school, all those things. We have to have the good stuff too. That's all part of our relationship together. That's how we do life together. So the challenge is, Maybe to ask the Lord, how do I have more fun with you? How do I enjoy you more, my encounters with you? Can we have some fun together? Because I guarantee you, he will meet you there too. If you were to pray that prayer of like, God, I know I've been asking you for a lot of things lately, but could we have some fun together? He would enjoy doing that with you, just as I enjoy having fun with my kids It's the same thing. He also wants to have fun with you. Yeah? Good thing I didn't skip leg day, huh? And this is also another funny one. This happened the other night. We were at my parents' house, and we were sitting having a chat with them, and the kids were playing in the middle. Um, And so we were talking about, about a bunch of things, and at one point Shane said to my dad, you know, I'm not sure if this is something I need to keep fighting for or if I just need to surrender it. And as he finished saying that, Gabriel, suddenly, out of nowhere, playing on his own, just goes, let it go, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> we were like, what is happening? How did he know? It was this weird prophetic encounter. Um, but it's this, So this is the thing I wanted to talk about, Let It Go, for, from Frozen, for those of you who don't know the kids' movie. It's this thing of having to surrender and having to forgive, which is something I have learned from my children. Because kids get really upset about stuff, but they are also very quick to forgive. So we have a thing in our house that you always have to make it better, because obviously there's a lot of sibling dynamics. And so it's not just say sorry, it's make it better. So either give them the toy back or go give them a hug and a kiss or I want to see you actually, you know, try and help this person feel better. But you know, as soon as they do that, as soon as they have that moment together where they go, Okay, I've made it right, we're back at it. We're up and we're going and we don't hold on to it. They don't keep telling me about it for the rest of the day. They've like forgiven. It's finished, it was fixed you know, we did what we needed to do, and now we can move on, and I've learned from them in that, because I think sometimes we hold on to stuff for far too long, we hold on to it, and we think about it, we think about forgiving, or we think we have, but then we still like, it's there, hey, we have these things that we just hold on to, and we don't actually just go, no, I've forgiven that thing now, we've spoken about it, we've dealt with it, it's forgiven, I don't have to dwell on it, it it becomes this like seed inside of you compared to going, no, we've done it. We've done the work. I'm not saying we don't go and we apologize or we make it better. We make it better, but then we move on. We let it go. Um, And it's something I've learned and I think it's um, something that God is asking of us. Um, We have to allow the feelings and feel them and then allow God to help us move on in forgiveness and acceptance. Because God is quick to forgive us. Hey? Isn't he? I think that's a biblically sound word. He's very quick to forgive us. That's why Jesus was on the cross, to forgive us of all the things that we do wrong all the time. And so I think if that's the principle that we live by, we need to also be acting in a similar light to others. If the journey is about becoming more like Jesus, we have to be as quick to forgive Because Jesus wants to be in every part of our lives. That's his cry. He so desperately wants to be in our lives. So he wants to be in all of these things. Yeah. Here's one. Can I give you one last thing? Are you guys awake still? Are we fine? Okay. I always try to be quick because I know how hectic it is in toddler zone, And so we always love a a short sermon (laughs) when you want the one in there. It's very calm out here in comparison. But let me just give you this one last parenting thing, as if I'm the great expert. I've only been doing it for five years. But here's the thing. There's a scripture in Ephesians, Ephesians 6 verse 4, that says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children, which is an interesting one. And here's what it means. We exasperate our children by neglecting them, or by giving them no guidance. It's a hard one, but it's something that's been coming up more and more in society today. It's this thing of child-centered parenting. And I don't think it's biblical, because it's this idea, and I mean, we're not going to get into the specifics of how people play this out, um, but it's this idea that it's all about the child. That's not true. Sorry. (laughs) My kids are important, but it's not actually all about them. That's not what I'm called to in biblical parenting. When we do these dedications and things, that's not what we're saying. Okay? And so what we're looking at here is what is our job as parents? Our job is to help give them an identity with the father, and um, I don't know if you know of Gabor Matei, he's a, he's a Canadian um, psychologist and physician who studies a lot around trauma and resilience and all of these things. And in one of his books, he speaks about this idea of how society has moved in the last 70 years from parental guidance to peer guidance. So this started in the States around the time of the 60s. War in Vietnam, you guys all know that sort of season the world went through where authority suddenly wasn't trustworthy anymore. And people were just like, screw this. I'm not listening to you anymore. You guys are doing silly things that I don't agree with. And the same applied to their parents because their parents had the same views. And so it was this move where people went, I don't want anything to do with you. And we had the hippie movement where people went and lived with their friends rather. The authorities can't be trusted. Look what they're doing. They're killing Vietnamese people. You know what I'm saying? It was just this idea of, like, clearly we can't trust the government, and government means our parents, too. And so as a society, we moved from parental guidance to peer guidance. And the downside of that is that parental influence comes with unconditional love, because that's what we are called to as parents, unconditional love. Peers, it's conditional You're friends with someone based on X, Y, Z. And if those things don't apply anymore, you stop being friends with them. Sometimes that's okay. We don't have to be friends with people. But that's not okay if that's where you're getting your identity. If that's where you are getting shaped and how you are choosing to live your life. If it's conditional. That's not okay. And so what's happening as a society, we've moved past the 60s now, but this is actually how the world is working. It's all about the peers. That's where we're finding ourselves. And we can all see how that's playing out in different areas. I'm not going to get into that full debate today. But what happens is we become such an anxious, neurotic, insecure people because we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. And that is probably the most important thing you could ever know is who you are and whose you are. Those things are what help us live through all of life and all the stages of life. And as parents, our responsibility is to help them find that out while they are home with us, right? So Shane was telling me the other day he read a thing about how 95% of your parenting or your time with your children, physical time with them, happens before they're 18. And then the last 5% is literally the rest of their lives. (laughs) Maybe a bit longer if they stay home while they're studying. But the principle of that is this thing of this is your time with them to connect and to help them find out who they are with the Lord. But that is what we are called to, is to help them get their identity. And if we don't help them find their identity, someone else will that's scary. And so this is the thing that I'm, this is more a parenting thing, but it's a biblical value. It's just this thing I've been called to say, the child is important, but so is your parental role, which sometimes means boundaries. It sometimes means different things, but the whole world does not revolve around them, and it's important for them to also know that. So it's this thing of acknowledging them, your feelings are valid, all these things are good principles, but at the same time, the world does not revolve around you. And let me help you figure out who you are in this world so that someone else doesn't help you figure that out later. Let me rather send you out into the world knowing who you are. Because those that know who they are are far less likely to go and make those crazy mistakes that we make is life. But if you know who you are, you are far more centered for the seasons that come next. And so I know I've got some adult friends who now in their 30s are saying, wait, I actually don't think I know who I am. And that it is way harder to figure it out now. You know, you're an adult, you have responsibilities and you're going, wait, I don't know who I am. That's hard. And that is some people's journey. But I think that's the part where as parents, we can help, help them figure that out way earlier. And, and that's with God's help. So that's just my last little side note for you guys on this parenting space. And then we go back to Psalm 46. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. So in these things that we are called to, In these different challenges I've maybe given you today around how you meet with Jesus and how you view your relationship with Jesus, this is what we remember. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her. We're not saying we do this stuff alone. We're not saying, here's a cool hard project. Good luck. God is within you as you work this stuff out as you ask him for these things. I think maybe that's what we're looking at today is saying, God, help me. Help me keep it simple. Help me regulate with you. Help me enjoy time with you. I think that's what I want to leave you with today is hopefully a little bit inspired to take a new fresh look at your relationship with Jesus and where it's at and maybe areas where you think, oh, wait, actually, I think I'd like some of that. I'd like it to look a little bit more like that. Yeah. My hope is that you'd walk away from today with a hope and an expectation for more encounter with Jesus. Simple, true encounter with Jesus. Can we stand together and just have a little prayer moment? So as I was preparing for today, um, I, I found this prayer again in Ephesians that I actually just wanted to pray over you. And then I think we can take a moment to pray for each other too. But if you'll just maybe take a deep breath in and out. And let's just take a moment here together. The toddlers will survive. I just want to pray this over you guys. that you may be full to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that he is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Let's just take a moment here together and see what God is wanting to say to us today. Father, I just ask that you would come and meet with us right now. Just as we stand here today, you know the expectations on our hearts. And I ask that you would just come and speak with us. mm I feel like there's maybe some people here this morning that even just as I'm speaking and describing this, this relationship with Jesus, a part of your heart was going, oh, no, I don't think I have it like that. I don't, I don't feel like I have access to Jesus in that way or in that form. I didn't think it could be that simple or whatever you're feeling. There's just that sense of like, no, that's not the, the Jesus I speak to. And I think we'd like to pray with you today if that is you, if you feel like you want maybe not a new relationship, but just a different season of relating with Jesus. So if that is you, won't you just reach out your hands and we can pray with you even in your seat. You're welcome to come to the front too. But I would just love for people to be able to join with you and pray into that, inviting God in, in a new way today. Let this be the start of a new season, a new season of relating to Jesus. sometimes it just takes a minute of silence for us to even find the space in our brain for what we need from the Lord because life is busy and so I think sometimes we just need this we just need a minute to even recalibrate what we are learning and hearing from God but I also don't want to leave today without coming alongside you So if there are people today who would like more prayer, something we've spoken about today or something that's going on in your heart, that you're feeling like, actually, I need some people to stand with me in this. Maybe it's the parenting stuff. Maybe it's the relationship with Jesus. If that's you, please, won't you come to the front and we can pray with you. I don't want anyone to go home feeling as alone as when they arrived here this morning.